Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Episcopal Church in Vero Beach, Florida. We are glad to have you join us. Our hope is that this sermon will instill you with a profound sense of God's love and that you might receive and reflect His glory to your community. From the book of Hebrews, let us hold fast the confession of hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Good morning. I'm really glad to see you all here. And uh, once you hear what this sermon is about, you'll be really glad that you're here too. Uh, And the reason is, it's not often that a priest can give the congregation a universal thumbs up. Uh, But the topic of our passage today is church attendance, and you did it. Uh, So you can finish patting yourself on the back. Um, Church attendance the reason that we gather, answering the question why we gather, is not something that everybody can easily articulate. You see, most people who are raised in the church feel like they should attend, that gathering on Sundays is the right thing to do, but they have a hard time explaining why. They have a hard time articulating it. Um, Last month, Vera hosted the 2018 Touch a Truck event at the fairgrounds. And uh, if you don't know what that is, it's when a bunch of these, you know, fire trucks and city buses, and for some reason garbage trucks, uh, are all brought together, and little kids can go and touch and play with them. And, you know, my son has enough Hot Wheels cars to circumnavigate the globe at this point, and so he was thrilled to be able to go. Well, during this outing, we ran into a whole host of our parishioners with their families. And it was, it was really wonderful. We were so excited to see them when we had a blast. But if you're a priest in public, what inevitably happens after you see somebody who you haven't seen in a while is, completely unsolicited, by the way, an apology for not attending church. You know, you're like, you're just trying to chat with them and, and, and you know, have a conversation, but then there's this always kind of sheepish, unsolicited, you know, we haven't been in a while, um, and then, again, you don't, you don't ask for the reasons, but they offer them to you. It's, you know, well, uh, my kid has sports on Sunday mornings, and so, you know, sports. Um, or they'll say something like, you know, we're just so busy. Or you'll hear something along the lines of, uh, you know, Sundays are our only day to relax as a family. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you all. As a father with <clears throat> two young kids and a semi-hectic schedule, I get it. Like, I get it. I absolutely understand. Honestly, I absolutely understand. Without a compelling reason to go to church, I can absolutely understand why it's hard to sacrifice a Sunday morning each week to get your kids ready or get your family ready or skip golf or skip brunch and, and get yourself to church. I mean, yes, our rector can preach, right? Praise God. Yes, our choir sounds amazing. And yes, most of you are super friendly, and that's great. Um, but those, those three reasons are not always enough to get people to church on a Sunday. And by the way, this is one of those sermons, right, where you're, you're preaching to the choir um, because you're all here. But when I preach this, I want you all to, to listen. Um, this isn't just about being here. It's also about being here with intentionality. And how can we be intentional about our gatherings together? And so, I'm going to move on to our three points. Why do we gather together every Sunday? Well, in this passage, the three points 
that are given to us are one. We gather every Sunday to draw near. Point two, we gather every Sunday to hold fast. And point three, we gather every Sunday to support one another. So point one, we gather every Sunday to draw near. Let's look back at our passage in Hebrews 10. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a couple verses to you. Um, just because it's so dense, I want us to have a refresher. This is in verse 19, and you can look in your bulletins with me. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Can I remind you all of something this morning? Through Jesus Christ, you have a direct pipeline and access to God. That's unbelievable. You have access to God even in all of your imperfection, even in all of your guilt, even in all of your shame, even all of your struggles and in your doubts and in your fears, in your mess, you have access to God. And I would wager that even though that access is one of the greatest gifts you have ever received, you rarely take advantage of it. And let me explain that to you. Uh, most of the time when people go to God, when they, make, when they take advantage of the access that they have to God, it's either because there are circumstances that are outside of their control or they're just doing great and they're thanking God. But the time that people tend to avoid God the most is when they're sinning, when they're in the middle of their sin, and they don't take advantage of the access that we have to God to cleanse us and purify us from that. You see, this access to God that He grants us is one that did not exist before Christ came. And the old Jewish temple... Uh, the, the innermost sanctum of the temple was this place called the Holy of Holies, right? The Holy of Holies, the only person that could ever go into the Holy of Holies, and it was, it was separated by a thick curtain. Some say three to five inches thick. That's a, that's a meaty curtain. Um, the only person that could ever go into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God dwelt most fully on earth at the time was the high priest. And the high priest could only go one day a year. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And before the high priest could go into there, he had to engage in a ton of cleansing and purifying rituals. It was a big deal. You didn't have access, and neither did I. And not only was it such a big deal that he had to go through all these cleansing and purification rituals, we find from um, extra-biblical sources that the high priest actually would tie a rope around his waist and have, a law, and have that rope extend outside of the Holy of Holies. Why do you think that was? It's because if, if he was found to be with sin and struck dead because of the holiness of the place, they could pull him out. You want to talk about access to a holy God, to a, to a place where no sin may dwell. Well, that was unheard of before Jesus Christ. But it's something that you and I have freely. And we know that because in Matthew's Gospel... When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, the curtain was split in two from top to bottom. What do you think that symbolized? It's a beautiful thought. We have access to the Lord Most High, and it's, it's actually an unbelievable claim because that means that you and I are part of the only inner circle 
the only club that matters. In fact, if it were not for the death of Jesus Christ, that would be the most exclusive club of all. But we have access to draw near to God. And yet, many still neglect to meet together in a place that's full of people that manifest the weight of the Holy Spirit. Why would you not draw near to God? And yet, many people are still pursuing inclusion into all sorts of earthly circles and clubs, trying to be part of the in-crowd because somehow they believe that that affects their worth. It's foolishness, right? I mean, if you struggle with this pursuit, by the way, if you are compromising your character to fit in to an earthly society, or if you're running yourself ragged to attend as many events as you can this holiday season, just so you don't miss out, can I give you a word of pastoral advice? Just stop. You are in the inner circle of the God of the universe. You made it. Let the rest go. You have access to God. Let's move on to point two. Second reason that this passage tells us that we gather together every Sunday is that we gather together every Sunday to hold fast. To hold fast. Um, as you may know, the only fear that's, that's universally greater than death is public speaking. Now, you might not think of Father Rodriguez and I as thrill-seekers, but there you are. Um, well, public speaking itself is, is, is difficult, but imagine, for example, giving a, a lecture or a sermon in front of the world's foremost authority on the subject who happens to be sitting in the back. Now, that's not me right now, so don't turn around. Um, but that was one of my professors in seminary. He was going to give his first Sunday sermon. And who walks in but one of the most renowned theologians in the exact area he was about to speak about? And he was started sweating bullets, right? He was completely nervous. And in fact, he was so nervous that before it started, he ran to the back to talk to him and, you know, kind of preemptively apologize for what he was about to say and, you know, just try to… And the theologian said, listen, I'm here only because I need to hear the gospel every Sunday or else I won't believe it. I need to hear the gospel every Sunday, or else I won't believe it. Verse 23 of our passage, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You know, he's right. The gospel message is, is so counterintuitive, and it's so powerful, that if you don't, if you don't listen to the teaching. I almost said subject yourself. That's the only one I'm preaching. But, you know, if you, don't, if you don't come and listen to the preaching, if you don't come and absorb it and hear it and take it in, it can be unbelievable that the God of the universe took on human form and was killed for the very, killed for the sins of the very people who killed him. And he was killed for your sins and for mine. It's unbe- this is unbelievable. It's unbelievable that when you are in Christ, when he looks at you, He doesn't see you with all your stains and your blemishes. He doesn't see you with all of your disfigurements and distortions because of sin. He sees you as perfect and forgiven by the blood of His Son. What what does that mean when God sees you in that way? It's unbelievable, for example, that you are never truly alone, that you are never truly without hope, that you can never sin so heinously that He would reject you if you repented. 
it's unbelievable that there is no mistake that you can make that he will not set right when he makes all things new. Think about that for a second. See, one of the reasons that we need to come and hold fast to our faith, why we gather to hold fast to this faith, is because every week, as soon as you leave those doors, well, hopefully not as soon as, I mean, right, like after you get off campus, um, let's hope, but as soon as you leave church, you are bombarded with the very opposite message. You are bombarded by the very opposite message of the gospel. For example, there may or may not be a God, but even if there is, he doesn't care about you. So you better prove yourself in order to have any worth or value or make your life worthwhile. Well, that's not our faith, but many people believe it. Or hear this, this is another opposite message that you might hear when you leave. There is no God, and if there is, he is clearly not in control. So if the opposite political party is in power, we're all doomed. It's like, no, God's got this, right? Like, like God's got this. Or here's another message that comes out that's contrary to the gospel. If there's no God, there's no transcendent meaning or purpose to your life. So you better just try to live and make yourself as happy as possible, as often as possible, because that's all there is. Well, no, right? Our lives have eternal significance and value and meaning, and so does our mission and purpose. So we gather together to hold fast to the faith that we have received. I mean, we could go on and on about what, we're, what we are bombarded with. But when we come here and we delve into Scripture and when we pray Scripture together and when we sing Scripture together, it's because we're getting this worked into us at a deeper and deeper level each time. Kind of like one of those, um, you know, those charcoal etchings. Did you ever used to do that? When you're young, you take a piece of wax paper and charcoal. And if there's anything that has form or texture, you would rub over it. And as you rub it, the picture is more clear and more defined. So we come together to get a better understanding of our faith and to hold fast. And finally, our third point. We gather every Sunday to support one another. Let's look, let's look one more time at our passage. Verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Last Friday was Amy and I's fifth wedding anniversary. You like how I had to pause to think about that? Sorry, honey. Um, it was our fifth wedding anniversary, and as a part of our conversation during dinner, you know, we were, it's a look back at the five years that we've had and a look forward at what we're looking forward to. And one of the things we were discussing was kind of our bucket list, right? Places we'd like to go, things we'd like to do. Well, one of the places that's on my bucket list is actually to travel out to California and to uh, walk through a redwood forest. I've never done that before. My dad uh, used to tell me about these trees, you know, these trees that could grow upwards of 370 feet. Isn't that amazing? And yet, and I was looking this up because it's like, how is that possible? Well, they actually have really shallow root systems. Did you know that? The only way that they don't topple over and even a slight breeze is because all of their roots are interconnected and interlocked and interlaced with one another. And so they hold each other up. Now, that's probably the most transparent sermon illustration you've ever heard, so you know exactly where I'm going with this. But one of the reasons that we gather together at the church is to support one another, to stir one another up, to encourage each other. You see, my point is that our Sunday gathering is not just a vertical thing, right? It's not just between you and God. There's also a horizontal dimension to it. 
There's a part of our Sunday gathering that's between you and the people to your left and to your right. And to make this personal, it matters to me how you're doing. It matters to me how your family's doing. It matters to me personally how your spiritual life is going, how you are serving those around you, how I can better serve you. And one pastor put it this way, and I, and I, I like his, um, his explanation. He said, you know, an aggregation is just a gathering of people for, for an event or something like that, right? So a concert or a lecture series or a movie, that's an aggregation. He says what the church is is a congregation. A congregation, yes, they're there um, for some sort of event. For us, it would be worship, but they're also there for each other. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what Hebrews is talking about. Um, and I see, this, I see this over and over again. You know, I had lunch with a parishioner on Wednesday, and we were talking about one of the new young couples that joined our church, and we were both separately working on ways to kind of, you know, help them along um, with their family life, maybe connect them to our community, connect them to places where they could further their career, but they were, you know, they were weighing on our hearts. Well, what a perfectly natural thing for a church to do, but what a bizarre thing to happen in any other community. Or, for example, when Asher was born, we received so many notes of encouragement, so many um, gifts for the baby, so many uh, meals that were prepared and served for us that it that was it was actually unbelievable to us. But you all were just doing what the church is supposed to do. And we're very thankful for it. Spur one another on to love and good deeds and encourage each other. You see, we all share the same mission and we share the same purpose and we share the same destination. I mean, where else are you going to get people who gather together who are of different political persuasions, different socioeconomic statuses, different hobbies and interests, even different ethnicities than you are the church. And that's because what brings us together is transcendent. So let us not neglect that dimension of our worship. And no, I'm not going to make a pitch for attending coffee hour. I just did. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a part of this where we do come together and we are involved in each other's lives beyond what happens on a Sunday morning. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast. Let us support one another. These are some of the strong reasons that we gather on a Sunday morning, and there are many more, but I don't want to keep you here all day. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you um, that you, by your Holy Spirit, connect us in some really profound ways. God, that we are bound to each other, that we are united to one another in Jesus Christ, your Son. God, I pray that when we gather together on a Sunday morning, we do so with intention. God, that we would feel confident to draw near to you, that you would give us a firm grasp on our faith, and God, that we would lovingly consider the people who are next to us. It's in your Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook. Facebook.